Hello and welcome to the Rogue Ministry Podcast. This is Justin Behringer, the Rogue Minister, and I'm here with my co-host. This is Rachel, the creator of Speech Strong Resources. And together we are co-founders of Diapers Etc. And of course, host of the Rogue Ministry Podcast, creating and sustaining faithful ministries. I want to, I want to know, so while we're being, uh, getting personal here, um, and you don't have to overshare, obviously, but uh, whatever you feel comfortable with. I wonder what it looks like for you when you step out of program director role and into mentor role with your particular mentee. Like, tell us a little bit about what what that relationship looks like. And again, don't share any more details than, you know, than necessary. We don't need any of that, but just... Just a general idea, so folks who might be thinking about mentoring, whether it's with Amachi or, or some other program, might you know get a get a feel f- for it through your story. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I guess I you know kind of lucky because I because I work with the program, I kind of got to pick out who I wanted to work with. Um, mm. So my mentee now, I actually she is uh, fourteen. We'll be 15 this fall. I've actually known her since she was about five years old. I haven't been her official mentor that entire time, but when she was, as soon as she was old enough, her mom had enrolled her in our program and she's had a few mentors through us. And um, I had just had kind of some health and injury issues I was dealing with. So it had kind of a, uh, I had kind of finished working with one mentee and, and wanted to re-engage that process. And I thought, you know what, anytime I've done a home visit with this family or gotten to know them, I just have really enjoyed this kid. Um, and I think that we would get along. So I thought I'm going to, I'm going to mentor her. And it's just, uh, you know, and it's neat because I've, I've known her kind of in and out for that long, but now being her mentor where I really work on spending time with her every week, I've just gotten to know her. And I think because I've known her that long, like we just have a really honest relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm able to, you know, and I just kind of share with her about my job and there are times that she's like, I think that I want to be a mentor when I get older, you know, and just kind of cool conversations, you know, and me being able to say, you know what, I think that you are going to lead younger kids from your neighborhood when you get, when you're out of high school. I think that, I think that is going to be a role and being able to really talk about what does it mean that we have this relationship. And it means, you know, too, that we're able just to have really honest conversations about things she's really great at, but also some challenges she might have, Um, you know, things like schoolwork and, you know, just getting along with people and, you know, um, all those things, very talented athletically. And so I've been able to go to lots of her, um, to a few of her basketball games and, and just talk about that. So, you know, it is interesting because I think from a program director role, I see things, I kind of look at things from kind of a macro level, um, kind of big picture numbers of kids and our outcomes being met, things like that. But I like being able to be a mentor personally, one, because I believe in it, but also it just reminds me of what we're doing and that, you know, if a volunteer ever has a struggle, I can tell them, yep, I've been there. I know what it's like to, to work, to build a relationship with a teenager. And sometimes it's really awesome. And sometimes you got to know ways to pivot and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, for me being in this role, I think it's actually added a lot to me, but with that, we're able just to have a lot of fun together um and go out to eat we go to there's a local coffee shop here called chocolate holler that i introduced her to that she loves and 
Um, so we just get to, so a lot of that is just me being able to kind of share the appropriate parts of my story with her. Um, and not in a, this is what you need to be doing as, you know, to, to be doing well, but just, it lets me listen to her and, you know, kind of relate in all the ways that are there. I think that's I, it's fantastic. And frankly, I wish every organization had their directors doing whatever it is that their volunteers are doing and their, their mm -hmm. staff people under them are doing. I think I, it, like you said, it just is, it's going to always shape your perspective. Um, and, and in a positive way, I think of how, how this work ought to be done. So I, I applaud you for that. I know you get a lot out of it, but I just think it's wonderful that y'all do things that way rather than just mm -hmm. having some people who sit in their offices and, you know, deal with grants and all that, but actually mm -hmm. taking those folks and saying, Hey, you know, let's actually get out and do the work that we're mm -hmm. supporting. So that's, yeah. yeah, that's great. I wish uh, it should be required at every organization, I think. But Yeah, and definitely for sure with my team that I work with, I don't require that of anyone. I do encourage it. And essentially, everyone usually that has worked on my team has volunteered in some way. So everyone currently has their own mentee except for one person. And the only reason she doesn't have a mentee is that her husband mentors a kid. And mm. so she's got to know him. And, um, and so she kind of does that with him in some ways. And so, mm -hmm. but I, I agree with you. I've seen that. And I think if, if I am going to advocate for community members to be mentors, um, that I've got to be willing to do that work too. You know, yeah. if I talk about how important it is, like I need to, I need to be hanging out with the kid as well. Um, and it's, you know, cause the work is really about, about choosing to serve and, and, and to love where we can, you know, and I've got the time and the ability and the resources to be able to do that. So. Yeah. Um, I have many soap boxes and that is one that I could get up and stand on all day yeah. about the importance of people who sort of move up into more indirect roles within an organization of keeping direct contact with whoever it is they purport to serve. I, I just, it changes everything. I mean, I even think about, you know, just as I was working on some of my PhD stuff, my office was in our diaper storage room mm -hmm. and just having it in that place was a reminder daily while I'm writing, you know, this is why you're, Mm -hmm. doing this right you know so I just I can't applaud y'all enough for for that Rachel mm -hmm. did you so, I'm sorry I don't know if I interrupted if you had a another question or thought that you wanted to to bring in no I, I think earlier when you were talking about I just was thinking about how how suited you are for this work because I know that you're really good with like networking and connecting people but you're really good um relationally with mm -hmm. people and so um i appreciate you know you sharing those kind of things because i really i think that's just perfect for, for you and your personality <laughs> and how you are able to talk with people um well yeah i wanted to ask them because it was related directly to what you were saying mm -hmm. so maggie you have um you know uh, an efficacious amicable 
attitude and, and air about you, you're the kind of person that, you know, people want to get to know and you, you work <laughs> to get to know other people. But I realize not everyone's like that, but they still might want to make a difference in, you know, a kid's life. So how is it that y'all work with different types of mm-hmm. people um, to help them fit in and find out how mm-hmm. they can be a good mentor, you know, if maybe they're an introvert or maybe they just are, mm-hmm. have never had any experience with something like this or, or whatever. Just kind of curious how you work with different personalities and yeah. types of people from different backgrounds. Yep. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think that it, like I said before, we're, you know, our primary thing is about relationships. Um, and, oh, I see a puppy there. Nice. Yeah, mm. we got one, one, our, couple of our other co-hosts here, our, nice. our two puppies are sitting with us. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, so part of, you know, I think there's a couple of layers to this. One is that, Um, While we do have certain programming that we run um, because we felt like it it has filled a need, one of kind of the primary ways we approach people who want to volunteer with us is not to say, here's this role, will you please fill it? But to say, what is it you're passionate about? What Mm. do you love? And how does that fit with the neighbors that we have? Um, And so that's very much so how we go about mentoring. And part of that is just our process. We have a pretty thorough vetting process for our volunteers because it is one-on-one mentoring and the safety of our kids is first and foremost. But part Mm -hmm. of that is that our, uh, we'll have a match specialist who meets with each mentor at their home. And we, we do a pretty in-depth interview with them. Um, We ask them about their experience with kids, um, why they want to mentor, but also just kind of what is their life about? you know, do they, do they have kids? Are they young professional working? Are they retired? And just what do they love? And so that helped. And also, you know, like you said, we ask, are you an introvert or an extrovert? And how would you describe your personality? Um, and, and the cool thing about that is that, you know, there's been a, you know, there are people here and there that they might start to think about a matchy and they think, oh, it's not the best fit. But because we've got so many different kids and so many different personalities, we really take seriously who we match with who. Um, and so if we've got someone, you know, I think one of my favorite stories is, is, uh, one of our staff members, Rebecca, her husband is the one who's a mentor and he's a pretty laid back, quiet guy. He's an engineer and uh, we're thinking about who to match him with. And Rebecca and I just prior to him kind of signing up to be a mentor had met with this kid and this kid did not want to, this was a boy. He was a middle school boy. He did not want to talk to me and Rebecca did not want to come out of his room to play video games. He, he, and we thought, I don't know if we're going to match him. Well, we later realized it was because he's basically just got all women in his house. He didn't want to have to talk to these two other ladies that Mm -hmm. he didn't know. Um, But we realized like, man, he's got a personality very similar to Brandon. Like neither one of them want to go be around a lot of people and they could just play basketball all day long and not talk to each other. Um, mm-hmm. And they've been matched now for probably, I want to say two or three years. And this kid who is not super chatty, he's told Brandon how much this relationship has meant to him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so we've got a lot of stories like that where it's, you know, because we really want to take the time to get to know people and plug them in where their gift sets are needed um, and not necessarily always follow a formula. Um, we've really seen that work out. But the other kind of cool thing about that is that we do have multiple programs. So we occasionally do have someone who loves what we do, who really wants to work with kids, but doing one-on-one -on -one mentoring may not be their thing. Thinking of kind of fun hanging out activities is not their thing, but they'd be a great tutor. They'd be great at, at advocating for literacy help and things are, they might be a great coach. Well, then we can plug them into one of our other programs that if it, you know, there's lots of different ways to do mentoring. We do, do have some group programming and that more academically based programming. So they may just be a much better fit for that. So that's one of the things we really kind of try to sniff out too when we meet volunteers is just, where, where does your passion fit with the needs of this community? Um, and so that really helps us, you know, engage people. You know, and there's the occasional person who really just doesn't have the time, but they maybe can give in other ways. They can help us with a big event. Um, if, you know, they've got resources of money and, and want to donate to us, you know, that's an option too. So we're really trying to get to know people very individually and then think, kind of think of a, a plan that would, would serve our community well. On the other side of that, um, another big part of your job um, is just getting resources um, and money just to provide all the different things that you need for Amachi and all the different programs. Um, do you want to talk just a little bit about how you go about that? Yeah, yeah. So luckily, we're in a kind of a um, there's lots of different people on our staff. So we do have a development director um, who focuses a lot on just kind of seeking out grant opportunities and other funding opportunities, things like that. The Imaji program, we are largely funded by federal grants, not exclusively, but that is a, where a big chunk of our money comes from. With that, we try to partner with other, we partner with other leadership foundations that have mentoring programs. And we kind of all are in this big federal grant together. There's an, a, been a couple other youth serving organizations that kind of let us partner together. So a lot of it really, it is about that networking um, and just kind of being aware of what's out there. Um, we also have a grant through, uh, uh, we have in the past had a grant through the city of Lexington. Um, and then, but we also have individual donors um, who just really believe in what we do. Um, and like I said, we really try to partner. And so it can be something that that is as detailed as someone who wants to provide food for an event. Um, there's a local restaurant here, Bourbon and Toulouse, one of my favorites, really great mm -hmm. community. Yes. They provided totally free of charge. Um, full dinner when we did our mentor celebration dinner last January. So it was for probably about one or 200 people, I think. And all I did was call and they said, yeah, we would love to provide for this. So we've got some restaurants that do things like that. People that like to give us in-kind gifts. Um, and, uh, but we all, you know, goes all the way up the chain to kind of the big dollars of federal grants and just being aware of that and just staying in good relationship with those people. And just knowing too, that like, resources can come from the unlikeliest of places as well. You know, we've, I've had, I've had college age mentors who will just randomly send us a check because they just are so touched by what we do. Mm -hmm. um, I've had parents that we've worked with that, um, you know, we, we do a basketball program and it costs, I think it's like, it's a minimal charge. It's like $10, 10 or $20 for our kids. We've occasionally had some of our parents who, you know, are struggling too that have offered to pay for another family to, you know, for their kids to do basketball. 
Um, and so it just kind of comes, I think, like you said, Rachel, from just networking and, and just sharing with people about what we do, you know, because I think that most people, they want to be helpful. They want to do good things for the community. They just don't know where to start. So they just yeah. need to be made aware of that opportunity. I feel like that's the entire basis of our podcast <laughs> is, is we were yeah. constantly being asked questions of, well, how do you start this? How do you get involved? And we figured if we could get folks like you to share their stories, then yeah. you know, listeners could could have all kinds of possibilities to think about where they could get plugged in or start their own thing if that was needed. I, I've got two more questions myself, and I don't know if Rachel has any, but one thing we haven't really talked about, but is in a way a key piece of y'all's work is incarceration mm-hmm. um i know i've been down to uh davidson county uh, uh jail fay county sorry davidson county <laughs> where i grew i grew up in lexington but in lexington north carolina and that was sorry fay county jail number of times to to visit people and and all that, and I know it's a it's a it's a difficult experience, but I can't imagine. You know, I was visiting congregants of the church I worked for, or people who were looking to get into the program, another program that I worked for, that kind of thing. Um, but I can't imagine what it'd be like as a as a twelve, thirteen, fourteen year old, or whatever, to make visits to your 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 mom or your dad or or somebody that that you love and care about that's incarcerated so i'm just kind of wondering if y'all a do mentors ever go on those visits and then b um do y'all have other resources that are kind of beyond the mentors level of say Mm -hmm. counseling if they had a really traumatic experience you know going to visit a a loved yeah. one because I know all of what you do has to be trauma informed but yep. some of it could be that acute trauma of of having to visit a, a parent you know through a glass yeah. uh, window yeah. or whatever yeah so we um I have I have gone a couple times with with past mentees that I worked with to visit I've done some visits myself and it's uh always it's it's a sobering thing for sure especially when you're taking a kid and you see other families doing those visits mm-hmm. um and so so i'm glad for that that's not something i do often um but have done that in the past um we don't often have mentors that will take kids on those visits and that's for multiple reasons sometimes you know every story is different sometimes you know there's no contact allowed between the yeah. car- parent a lot of times the incarcerated parent are actually in facilities sometimes it can be another side of the country um it can you know be in lots of different places it could even be here in our state of kentucky but we do have families that don't have you know reliable transportation so it can be hard to get there um so our focus really you know as kids are comfortable talking about their incarcerated relatives we'll do that but really focusing on kind of their resiliency skills and and how they're coping and and you know just being able to to talk about that. If we do, we don't offer counseling services ourselves, but we are connected with some 
community mental health agencies that we kind of do what I call cross referring. So they might, so some of those counselors may have kids in their caseloads who they just feel like would really benefit from a mentor and parental incarceration has been part of their story. But also on this side, if we get to know a family, we're talking with the mentor about a mentee and it just really seems that a child would really benefit from some professional counseling services. We're able to make those referrals as well. Um, and we found that to be a very helpful partnership. Um, in part because we, we want our mentors to be mentors. We, you know, most of, you know, we are training them as volunteers. We're not giving them tons of in-depth training about how to be counselors. But even if we were, we don't want them to be counselors because a mentor we feel like is a really special, unique role. Um, and it's someone, you know, we want someone else to be able to offer that therapeutic role. Um, so we do refer families to, to those things as needed. And there's any time we're aware of different community resources, we like to, to let families be aware of those things and just really uh, make sure they're connected to those places. Is, do y'all ever work with or, or do any work on your own on sort of the advocacy side of things or is that kind of beyond the the scope the purview of what what yeah it's a, it's a little about? yeah oh, sorry. yeah it's a little bit beyond our scope at the moment just because of the the big caseload we have to manage mm -hmm. um we have not really as yet been able to be involved in a lot of advocacy work but um i do think that's really important for sure um and uh you know, but a lot of what we do is just being a little bit more on kind of the micro side of being involved with individual families. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that's important for sure. Need all of the above. Well, the, the final question that I have then is, is this is a question I try to ask every interview because I think it's really important. Um, what is, what's sort of, if you were to describe the theology that provides sort of the underpinnings for this work, what, what is that theology? I know you mentioned incarnation or mm -hmm. incarnational work earlier. Um, so if you want to say more about that, or if you want to, you know, add any other thoughts, but what, what's the theology that drives this work? Yeah, I would say for sure, coming from the perspective of leadership foundations, we're what we would, what I would call interdenominational, which means it is you know definitely a, a Christ-following, Jesus-following way. But we like to work with, you know, anybody within within the Christian family of faith, and we actually our founder. Um, John Withers sometimes likes to say, how many churches are there in, in Lexington? And he always says, the answer is one. There's just mm. one church. Um, and so, but with that, it's, a, you know, and I, it, it's similar in some ways to things like Christian Community Development Association, um, mm -hmm. where we, we know that, that God just, we believe that God loves the city, um, that we've seen some really, we've seen some hard and broken things happen to the city, but that God really wants to restore that. Um, and there's a verse, and I can't remember where it is, but basically that um, it's one of the Old Testament prophets about um, children being able to play in the streets and, and men and women sitting and enjoying their city neighborhood. And, it, mm -hmm. um, and the, the president of Leadership Foundations uh, actually has a book and has kind of a saying that he calls uh, basically seeing cities as playgrounds and not battlefields. Mm -hmm. um, 
and, and kind of re, you know, there's a lot of words that we associate with that, like wanting to bring hope and opportunity and reconciliation. Um, but that's, that's probably the, that's a really simplistic answer, but a lot of it is just seeing that, that there is beauty in the city and that there's hope and there's promise and, you know, just doing what we can to bring that there. And we, you know, my program, we do that through getting to know individual kids and just saying, yep, I kind of want to live life with you. And I want to um, get to know you, whether, you know, through the hard times and the good times. Um, but, I, you know, there's obviously a lot of different ways to do that. But we do that a lot through work with children and families. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, I think it might be a good way to end our time, Maggie. Maybe if you have one story that you'd like to share um, from your time at Amachi that has you know, been memorable and, and, and meaningful to you. We'd love to hear that. Mm, so many stories, honestly. Yeah. Oh gosh. Let me, let me narrow it down. Oh, you caught me in that question. You even sent it to me beforehand. I did not prepare myself. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think one of them is, uh, my friend Dave, who's been a mentor with us, I think since, I want to say since right when I started in 2010 and uh, he was, you know, wanted to get involved in helping out his community. And uh, so got him in as a mentor. He's a great guy, paired it up, him up with this kid named Jamarius, who's actually one of my all-time favorite kids I've ever known. Jamarius is now working and in college, but I met him as I think probably a third or fourth grader. Um, he's big and tall and, and way taller than me now. Um, but Dave, I've just really seen him walk through life with him. He would watch him play baseball and he would go hang out with Jamarius and his buddies on the street. Um, what is cool about that is that Dave mentoring Jamarius actually ended up Dave mentoring probably about five or six other kids as well. Um, Jamarius was the only one through Amachi, but I feel like Amachi became in some ways played a part in the springboard of helping Dave realize like, oh, he's, he's, he believes very passionately in young being being mentored and Dave has done some cool stuff. Like he, every year he takes all the guys he mentors on this uh, annual camping trip. He's also done kind of this uh, kind of a ritual into a, he calls it a manhood celebration where they, they he gets letters and um, just words of encouragement from other men in these boys lives. Um, so they get to do that presents them with a Bible and just really talk about what it means to kind of be thinking about being an adult and taking on more responsibility. Um, so that has been neat to see partly because he's just, I mean, these kids' lives have been impacted forever because of Dave and I've, I've you know, seen it and they made some good decisions and they just, they love him, but also seeing how this one relationship really turned into uh, kind of a movement for Dave and, and Dave is really, he loves trying to get other people uh, to mentor. He really advocates for us at his church, goes to a big church here in Lexington. And, um, and so that's just, and that's what we want. That's our aim is not for us to own the programs, but to help other people in the community to own what's happening and for it to really kind of flourish from there. That's great. I love, I love the idea of y'all planting and watering, right? And 10 mm -hmm. years later, yeah. you're now seeing these these kids that started in elementary school, you're now seeing them as adults and they're, they're healthy and they're 
doing well in society mm-hmm. in large part because y'all do the work that you do. Um, that's, that's, I, I, it just seems like that'd be so rewarding and exciting to, to get to witness that. And then also just knowing that there's tons of stories that you won't even ever really know of, of these mentors and, and mm-hmm. kids that are going to go on to do, you know, uh, great things because they had someone in their life who just said, you can, you can do that. And I'm here to support you. So we, yeah. we applaud your work and we mm-hmm. are thankful for that, but more so uh, as we opened up with, we'll say we're thankful for your friendship because your friendship has uh, had a, serious impact on me. I won't go into all the details for our listeners, but back when I was struggling with some, some deep depression, Maggie jumped right in and, and helped us out in some significant ways. And so she's uh, the kind of person that uh, is worth imitating. So I think y'all should look her up on Amachi for those of you in the Lexington area or other places that have Amachi programs or similar mentoring programs, really, really think and pray on joining, um, joining up and seeing how you might fit in and, and mentor someone. Um, I, it can be some of the, the hardest, but also some of the coolest and, and most rewarding and frankly, most fun work you could do as well. So thanks so much, Maggie, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to talk about Amachi with you guys. Yes, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. But for the listeners, uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off now and say join us next time on the Rogue Ministry Podcast. And this is Justin Berenger, the Rogue Minister, signing off with my co-host. Rachel at Speech Strong Resources. And go check out our show notes. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and comment. You can also submit questions, reviews, and comments on our Facebook page. And as always, be faithful to that which you have been called.